Hi and welcome to Integrated Awakenings. It's me, Maria, and today we're going to talk about elementals, lower realm beings, and just what it's like to work with them. How do they work? And this is going to be a little bit of a tricky episode because as Maria, uh, I have a lot of clear senses and just like this spiritual blueprint that works with elementals very well. Like I've had several very trusted, competent uh, healers tell me that the original elementals uh, are connected with me in a different way. And I always assumed that all shamans just had this kind of resonance with smaller beings and the original beings, but it turns out that <laughs> that's like a me thing. I haven't... Um, I haven't really met anybody who specializes in them as much as I do, or not necessarily the word specialized, but like really has a deep resonance with them. But anyway, when I say tricky, I usually do my best to do these episodes where what I am sharing, the experiences I'm sharing, the tips I'm sharing is applicable to most people. And the thing is that through my experience, a lot of people have, um, hmm, one, maybe no experience with smaller elementals. That's true. Two, can choose, like, via, like, your free will to not deal with them. That's also valid. And three, sometimes I feel like people explore these esoteric realms for curiosity, right? So... And just like how Guruji says that when we explore these esoteric realms, it's not necessary for spiritual development. And I do want to concur with that. Even if it's like a big part of my spirituality, I wouldn't say that it's always necessary for everybody. I feel like it's very much a... I wouldn't say a special thing, but it's like a peculiar thing. Like it's specific to certain people. But I really wanted to do this episode because, one, I feel like it's a huge responsibility to speak for them with a kind of competency. Yeah, I feel like a lot of folks come from a cultural perspective, like they study these myths from a uh, historical cultural standpoint, like uh, categorizing them, right? Um Think about uh, Aswang Project, right? They categorize these beings, but they don't really interface with these beings, like the actual beings. They just know stories of them. And the thing is, a direct experience with them is so different from just... It's like, it's like you're doing a research paper and the only accounts you give is from a third-person perspective. Like, oh, this person says this about Aswang versus just talking to Aswangs themselves. By the way, for international folks, Aswang is vampire in the Philippines. Um, our version of it, because it's a little different. But yeah, so I just wanted to speak from my experience because um, I guess it's sometimes really frustrating for me when I hear people be very judgmental towards them without... Um, an actual genuine experience of them. So I, I do want to mention two things first. Uh, one is that we are all the things. We've been, 
We've been plants, rocks, trees. We've been mountains. We've been wind. We've, we've been clouds. We've been sunlight before. In the same way that scientists always say that we are made of star stuff, we're made of cosmic star stuff and atoms and all of that. When you do look into like the Akashic memory of your being, right? You hear about these people activate like more of their memories via their pineal gland. There's or even just like a really trippy journey. They remember. I remember this one time. I, I really remembered when I was this specific triangular rock, and how I couldn't move anywhere. And I was like, "Wow, this is like a deep seeing." Because I was just there. I was. I was like on the side of a mountain, and then underneath the ground, you know, as the fissures are moving, and I feel like. A lot of folks will be more respectful towards nature and towards these smaller beings when you realize that that's you. You realize that you were once that, and in the same way that there is such a thing as evolutionary consciousness and how you know the fish walked on the earth and how you know plant beings dream of being people, right? Or you have these fairy tales of like. You know, uh, forest elementals wanting to be people or becoming changelings, marrying humans, right, or having like half mythic, half human babies. There is like a movement towards something, towards an evolution of consciousness, and thus, when you when you move towards a kind of consciousness, you cannot degrade any other kind of consciousness. Because that's you as well. You're made of the same thing, and I know that a lot of people have a lot of qualms against uh, other kinds of consciousness. So, for example, duende, little dwarves, or um, ghosts. Though I think ghosts are a slightly different category, uh, and you know, uh, forest spirits, tree spirits. What I noticed with a lot of spiritual. I wouldn't even call it spiritual people, spiritists, people who work with spirits. Um, what I notice is that there is healthy fear with them, uh, healthy um, knowing that you are a different kind, right, and a healthy warning. So, for example, you are wanting to pillage a certain part of a forest, and you know there's a little bit of a fear because. Gagantehan ka. Um, the 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 spirits of the forest will take vengeance on you, right? And I feel like a lot of our folk tales, a lot of our mythic stuff is coded with this. But the thing is, if you don't see them as alien, if you don't see them as foreign, if you if you just see them as like you, if somebody burned your house, wouldn't you get mad too? Wouldn't there be vengeance? Too. Wouldn't there be? And then some of them wouldn't take vengeance, but some of them will seek it, right? And I feel like when I do game design, and you know how in Dungeons and Dragons, quote unquote, uh, there are a lot of races, right? There's like uh, elves, orcs. Uh, I don't think people play fairies a lot. Maybe smaller fairies, but not the high court fairies. I don't know. It depends on the game, but. Um, the thing with raciality in these fantasy games is that there is an alienation, a sense of otherness. But when you really understand where they're coming from, 
you would have more patience or more respect with how they do things. And I really say this from experience. I really get... It really offends me when spiritists or uh, chalk up a whole species as evil. So for example, you get somebody who's a Westerner who has a fear of snakes, right? Or even just fairies. I feel like fairies in a lot of Western folklore is coded as evil because they're tricksters. Because they, they trick you into contracts where they can't lie. They make people... Because people can lie. A lot of fairies can't. So they do these contracts where there's a lot of fine print that deceive you. There's like a lot of games with them. And that's why they're coded as bad. But the thing is, uh, when I get these Westerners who are really judgmental against the Fae, I'm like, oh, um, you didn't give enough respect to their land, like to nature. And this is why I have like such a deep respect for the land because you literally cannot do anything without it. And it just hurts me when these creatures are just asking for respect or like proper acknowledgement, right? And and most people will think they're being haunted, they're being punished, they're being played with, right? Oh, um, um, they're invading my vision or they're stopping my manifestation or a spell or whatever, right? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, you're disrespecting them. I feel like a lot of people, um, a lot of people, because it's so mythic and it's so magical, end up always coding everything like a Ghostbusters thing right? Like we must exorcise the spirit or whatever. I'm a big fan of um, mystery and supernatural genres that really humanize, humanize, what a funny word, but really humanize a lot of these elementals because it's like when you realize that they're just as lost or they deserve just as much respect or that they just want to be just as helpful, you wouldn't be so violent against them, right? And I'm speaking from experience where I know that a lot of shamans, priestess, witch types, right? Because they cannot hear, see, feel them, understand them, right? Are only bothered by them. They think that there's a weight on my shoulder, or they're so colette, or they're so annoying, or they're so they're trying to. I've also heard this term. Um, they're trying to steal my things. They keep asking for things I can't give, right? Um, and sometimes these are very precious things because because these people can see value. These these elementals can see value. So I know I I I really sympathize with people who have bad experiences with them but i really want to say that as somebody who's like been the third party in these kinds of issues it's really just lost in translation so for example um you would get so there's a kind of dwarf or like a kind of i wouldn't even call i wouldn't even call them dwarves they're just very 
baby primary elementals. Um, think of minions uh, from from Gru, right? Or even more basic than that. Like think of pourings or slimes from RPG games. Very elementary beings, right? And these beings, they talk like babies. They don't have sentences or when you talk to them or speak to them, in a very nuanced or complex way, it will just go over their heads. They will be like, what the fuck are you? They'll be like, what? <laughs> They'll be like, huh? Huh? Like that? Yeah. A lot of the times when you get a, uh, when you get a really annoying energy, yeah, please consider that what you're talking to is a child. Yeah, like a child in an elemental energy sense. Like that is their age. They are they are very simple-minded and very direct, right? And in the same way that if you're in a foreign country, you try to talk simpler, you try to, you know, adjust your mind in terms of language. When a being is asking stuff from you and it's like offensive or it's like too much... Or it's kind of like, huh? Kind of level with them and try to get extra translator pods, basically. Like, try to simplify. So, for example, they're asking for this, this, that, right? You can be, okay, wait, I wanna give an example, but at the same time, I wanna respect the privacy of my clients. So, um, also, I've never had this translating problem because I can always um, understand them properly. Uh, guys, give me an example that would work. Okay, food. Okay, cool. So, for example, uh, little beings are like begging for um, a specific precious food, right? And the same way that you're like, for example, a parent with a kid and being like, no, honey, you cannot have sugar. <laughs> You won't be able to sleep. You can also be like... Or so, for example, it's like a food that's very specific from the 80s. And it's not being made anymore currently. You can always offer a substitute, right? So for example... Um, for example, you're in, the, you're in Canada. It's hard to get mangoes. Or mangoes are not in season. And you're like, how about have some strawberry jam? This is also sugar. This was made from fruits. And you're like, if they don't understand what a jam is, you could just be like, this came from fruits, right? Like a, like a kid, right? I, I need you to understand that they're trying to understand you too. You see those Tumblr posts of like crows and pigeons observing how people behave and how if you're a real friend with a crow, a crow um, tries its best to understand that, oh, this SD card is important. Or to this person, they like, um, they, they, they perceive the house keys as important. These beings are trying to understand you too, right? So when you don't understand each other, other than trying to understand them, it's okay to explain a little bit of your life. So for example, you're like, I cannot give you this precious thing right? But I can give you something else, right? I can give you this jam. I can give you this um, fountain water, right? So for example, um, you can't have your regular water jug be so enchanted all the time, 
right? But you have a bowl that they can drink off of that you won't drink from because it's theirs. It's, it's like cat water, cat food, cat water, right? You don't drink from there, but it's because it's a, another being's, right? And I feel like this is why I notice for Filipinos, we always have tertera, which is like... um leftovers like really small leftovers like you notice with filipinos that we have a hard time finishing the last piece and i feel like it's always because we're always leaving a little bit for the ancestors for the elementals for the land ang term ko pa my term for this is dapat meron pa sa uod meaning you leave some for the worms you leave some for the earth you you return some of your food to the earth and i understand that some people are like oh but food waste the thing is we eat with them a lot of devotees right the way they even worship deva right the divine feminine is literally feeding ants to like throw bread on the floor and watch ants eat it yeah so i feel like um i feel like this visceral feeling of being able to feed the earth even with mulch with like partially degraded material right um to till the land is also a way of feeding and this is why you do it after eating or while you are eating you're eating with the earth you see it also as family it the earth is on a table with you right that's the idea of it so Um, I just want people to kind of have that perspective that if you don't understand like how these beings talk, one, translate, two, give them the benefit of the doubt, try to hear a little bit more of their story, maybe negotiate and teach them about your life so that they know that they can't take certain things, you can give certain things. And how even in your life, there is a portion that you offer to life. To, to the rest of life, to the smaller pieces of life, right? And something as simple as a thought, a candle, um, piece of your plate, right? A word, a bow, a clap. It can be so simple, uh, and yet it could involve so much of them. Now, I know that in sales, <laughs> I know that in sales and in marketing, Uh, it's important to say success stories or say what is the impact of these beings in your life, how they can move in your life. What would be the benefit of them uh, coming to your aid? Okay, let's give a few examples. Fire pixies. So fire pixies kind of live in little flames of candles and... um, Larger fires, sure. Uh, dragons also have the energy of combustion, right? Thunder, friction, right? These fire elementals are very good at purging, extinguishing. And I feel like a lot of what is in our bodies, right? What's stuck in our bodies. When we pick up weird energies, we pick up stuff from work, we pick up stuff from like other people. Our gut fire, our spiritual fire, you know, your shen is not enough. Your jing is not enough. That's your natal fire. It's not enough. And so when people go through a breakup, they 
take a match and make a new fire to help aid them purge and extinguish them in a lot of yogic cultures you literally have this huge lamplight yo any sacrament has this either incense or a flame like a living flame cleansing a space because these beings are very good at cleaning and purging like uh suturing wounds yeah and the thing is that if they are your friend when i say friend meaning you like each other right i don't i really don't like how some chaos magicians trap uh elementals uh so you know that if people follow the series Sandman by Neil Gaiman, you know how Father Dream, like Dream, the endless being called Dream, was trapped by a bunch of uh, magicians, like chaos magicians. Um, I, I'm the one who said it's chaos. I know that in the lore they didn't necessarily say that, but a lot of chaos traditions tend to... I forgot, um, Servitor? They have these terms called Servitor where they... Um, they trap certain beings to serve them to do certain things and i uh, i honestly think that some some of this is very much coded into slavery and we think these elementals as lesser beings and i've seen some people and elementals who were really trapped and it really hurts them for a long time their pain is real and it's just very de- it's just so sad to see I, I really I don't want anybody to do that. So I really want everyone to understand that when I say you work with them, when I say you respect them, it's not coming from fear, but a genuine wanting to have a relationship with them. Like a genuine, I want to be your friend. If you look at a lot of pagan cultures, uh, Welsh, right, Irish, uh, when you when you offer an altar or stuff to like your house spirit, yung bantayno, like the energy that ha- that guards the home or that guards the container of the home, they're your friend. They're supposed to be perceived as your friend. They're not. Uh, they're not a servant. Okay. I want people to understand that. When you make friends with somebody and you think they are an alipin, you think they're indebted to you. That's not being a good friend, okay? And um, by the way, before I continue on this straight, uh, on this line of thought, I want to do say that one of the reasons why I'm very pro them as well, or like very pro elemental, is that I also spent a lot of lifetimes as them, like as a forest being, as a river being. Um, and a lot of these folks, when they see me, they're like, oh, it's sister. <laughs> oh, it's her again, right? A lot of them kind of acknowledge the aspects of me that are not human often, were was not human often, because I am a person right now. And um, I know that it makes it very easy for me to talk to them because of that. Uh, And I know that not everyone is coming from that space. But what I'm trying to say is that, yo, you were a lot of us. A lot of us can remember the time when you were fucking hanging out with the Watas with like forest nymphs. Okay, it's not so weird. Like if you're so attracted to like nymph energy, like just 
just do a few journeys, you're gonna access those downloads. You can access those versions of you. That was that one with nature, right? And I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, I know that it's like it's like it's like I'm a native, and I'm asking foreigners to be kind to natives and connect with them and treat them as equals. And I understand that if you didn't grow up in a culture like that or you didn't grow up with a reality like that, it it's not um, it sounds very alien to people, right? But this is why I'm describing how I interface with them so that people are like, oh, okay, so those are steps. They're not your servants, they're your friend. You hang out with them, right? And Yeah, so for example, these fire beings, every time I do like a bigger spell, like a bigger intention, like uh, like I'm going to a work conference and I feel like there's going to be a lot of extrication, a lot of friction, a lot of tension that needs to be like burned away, right? Other than sometimes I physically look for a candle. I also light candles to kind of invite them over and be like hey can you eat this with me (laughs) can you burn this with me these are my intentions these are my dreams and they do want to help you and you know how when you have friends and the deeper your relationship is the better your resonance is the the deeper your relationship is with these aspects of life the more they come to your aid right So if you have a friend who's kind of like a pyromaniac or like a kid who's like really fascinated with fire or like with campfires or like wanting to set stuff on fire, allow them to kind of have a healthy relationship with the flame, right? With cooking, right? And to not mm, allow this lively, sacred part of nature to be with them. Yeah. Another thing that I do want to share is rain, water, washing, uh, flow, river. Uh, I, I don't claim myself as a weather witch. Uh, when that was opening up, for me, I was literally saying I do not want to control the weather. <laughs> It was happening too often. But um, just to like... Uh, switch some people's perspectives when i do reclamation journeys for some people's past lives as elemental beings so for example you are a part of the ocean or you're part of the river or a huge part of your life needs to be cleansed with water while we're in deep journeys suddenly a rush of clouds like will descend on the journey like like it would be raining like hell like cats and dogs and After the journey, the, ra- the rain will, will dissipate. It will go, like, as I'm describing, the cleanse, the rain will fall. And as I'm done with the journey, the rain disappears. It's, it's that quick. It's that on command. And it's happened uh, <laughs> semi-consistently for a time. And I was like, guys, can you not affect the physical weather around me? But I know you're trying to help. So I know that a lot of people sometimes get um, a little bit annoyed when it rains because, you know, stuff gets wet, you need to move stuff around. But the water is such a quick way to move things. 
almost like little kisses. Uh, they also bring a lot of information. The way they hold information is different from wind spirits. Uh, I think the wind travels faster and has a lot more words, while the water kind of is like has a holding and a energy, right? It has like this, it, it, it kind of drapes more. Um, and I've done some rituals in the rain, and <laughs> I did one that um, I kind of, I, I don't regret it, but it's more of like, if I were to share it, I'd be like, you need more guards. <laughs> I need like other people to like help guard me because the energies were too strong, but um, to be steeped in rainwater right to to have the fresh sky water to aid you to bless you is also really beautiful this is why i really don't like it you know how like cats don't like stagnant water i i'm kind of similar in a sense that i really i can really tell the quality of a restaurant if the water is bad or even if, even a home like if the water that you serve is like full of plastic and it's it feels very dead it feels very stagnant I know that the element of water is not as worshipped in that place or is not as respected in that place. Or where versus you go to a house where the water feels sparkly, it feels alive, it feels meh, it feels it feels nicer, right? You know that the sources of water there is respected. I know that some people uh have more scientific uh terms for this, like when you're uh, taking a bath in water that is like more base or more acidic or whatever. Um, honestly, there's a scientific part of me that can get into that, but the only um, the part of me that works with elementals really just wants to say that water really does turn sweeter when you are respectful and nicer to it. One of the basic ways to really work with water is just to have a very enchanted vessel like it could be your drinking bottle uh it could also be a vessel that you offer on the altar uh it could have holy water right i mean christians do that all the time right before you enter church they literally have like a vessel held by an angel right uh one of my favorite um fun facts is that the uh there's like a holy mother mary church in france where they gifted this gargantuan clam from the philippines <laughs> and it's the font for holy water and i find it so fascinating that it is an island from the southeast asia that we are like giving clams that hold pearls but also hold holy water so i i just really think that these vessels of and you know how, like, those moms, they like those giant pots or half rocks, these hewn rocks as, like, these, um, it gives a little bit of a resort vibe, right, when you clean your hands out of these vessels. But the thing is that that water that was stored in clay, right, that rushes through rock, right, if you could just feel into that, you don't need to memorize the feng shui of that. You don't need to memorize the energetics of that. You know that that water was grazed with that kind of love. Yeah. And 
if you <laughs> right right like just think of it like this clay vessel right that holds like this energy of the earth right because it's this red earth that was hewn by by a person to hold something right and it has this fresh water of course it's like respected yeah um i do i have no idea if i've shared this story before in the podcast but i'm always like in a dilemma sometimes if i should share some stories but i've had river spirits okay okay fine let me just let me just level out with people because i know that the cat the people who like myths also like this so uh, you know how people are serena coded so that's mermaid coded uh a lot of mermaids also like deceive uh are coded in myths as deceiving men with their voices right with their sensuality and i do want to say that a lot of people who have water nymph energies from their past lives or parallel lives tend to be more joyful but also tend to be yes more sensual um have a lot of movement have an affinity for water also need to make their legs sometimes they they their their anatomy there there's something up with their legs like they they need to gain their sea legs you know how like ariel is awkward while walking her when, her first time with her legs it's kind of like that so they kind of need to energetically build their legs right um uh, their hair tends to be more enchanted but wait wait let me let me just kind of arrange the information i guess what i'm trying to say is that a lot in the same way that the feminine can be abused a lot i feel like a lot of water elements a lot of river spirits river mothers right the for example think of ganges or even think of pasig river um they've been abused a lot the way women are abused and It's so interesting when I'm on vacation and I and I meet some of these river spirits like physically, right? Um via the waterfalls or the river. Some of them are very friendly to people, some of them are very wary of them, some even angry. And yet there's some of like the most purest beings, the most innocent ones sometimes, most untouched, like a child. Like the innocence of a little girl is a little bit different from a little boy and a lot of these river spirits are like feminine coded in the same way that the tarot codes water or cups as feminine receptive. So, I just really want to say that when dealing with any kind of water elemental, um if it helps you or if you feel like you have some water lineage just with your clients or with yourself, kind of meet it like with a respect of the feminine. right and i feel like you would be more productive right i do a lot of tantra so i tend to polarize them um <laughs> i tend to act masculine around them to let them trust me more uh yeah <laughs> to to allow me to hold the situation and yeah 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 <laughs> 
I think I've mentioned it in this podcast. There was a time that I had like an energetic dick. Like I was very masculine. And there were like, you know, those stories of like beings throwing themselves at Krishna because he was too hot. He was too sexy. I kind of understand that because when you cultivate like your divine masculine, like a lot of feminine beings will just be attracted to you. And that's kind of like what happened to me. There was like a, um, a river spirit that was really into me when I was in that energy and I was like yeah sure <laughs> and I was like oh okay yeah but at the same time I've polarized the other way where I was very feminine and I've had like masculine fiery tree spirits or like mountain spirits like also be drawn to me but in a different way like in a very I don't know in a very masculine way <laughs> so yeah um yeah yeah, anyway, okay, I, I hope that wasn't too distracting. Anyway, so that's how I feel with like water spirits. So if you feel like any of your like surfer friends or your like diver friends uh have that kind of energy, they're very drawn to mermaid energy. Uh, they have strong water astrological placements. Do consider that notice their plumbing, notice how they drink, notice if they're dehydrated. Yeah. I and part of me is kind of like a little bit scared that the way I'm explaining things sounds too everyday. <laughs> like how you worship water in your everyday is also how these water elementals respect you, but that is literally how these things work. <laughs> uh so so I feel like as much as I can Anyway, I'm gonna just trust you guys in terms of like how weird I can get. Anyway, so let me move through the elements. So earth, I think earth is one of the most misunderstood. I feel like the little earth elementals are the ones that are also written off as mischievous. Rocks, right? Rocks curse you when you steal from them. Um, uh, they, they're very hardworking, but they're also very stubborn, like just like Taurus energies. Um so I totally get it when they kind of like mess with your stuff and you're kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> right? I feel like they're the ones that can interface with the physical environment the most, right? In terms of like, um, I wouldn't say doing harm, but I feel like they're the ones that can really hold the ground, Right? I really want to give example like the the teacher in me is like I need to give an example of this and I'm like it's like a lot of stuff is just woven into my brain so I I need to categorize them when something falls for no good reason that's usually an earth energy because they can move physical objects better yeah, if there is like a rock that falls from this precipice to this part of the garden, right? And it hits like a bird that squawks out of nowhere. Uh, that's most, it can be a rock, also can be a wind elemental to be honest. But that also vibes like a rock elemental energy. They they move with your stuff, right? They they ench- they, they live in your crystals, they live in like objects, okay? So... With these beings, I think it's, I do want to say that, you know, those that archetype of how dwarves always work, like work, work, 
You, you see that in, in video games? Work, work. They, they, they like work. Yeah. Orcs, right? Um, the thing with these energies is that they like assignments. So I would say a lot of giants are actually earth-coded. Because I, I met a few who are like... You know, you know. Sometimes it's hard for me to watch fiction because I know a lot of these fiction stories are true. But you know how, like, an for example, think of it like an old mage assigned you to guard a door for forever until they come back, and then you know the mage dies, right? Or the mage turns cruel, and the earth elemental that's so loyal, this giant is so loyal that they would sacrifice their body, their chains. To guard the warehouse of that magician. No matter what. They're like a stronghold of devotion. Of unmovingness. And yet, you know, the earth... (laughs) the, The versions of life that they knew need to crumble. It needs to totally die before they even give up. That's how enduring they can be. Like, I've I've met a... A cyclops, like a one-eyed giant, who was like that. Who whose story is exactly like that? And it's just so to feel like centuries of their grief, but also their perseverance is just so humbling. They're that loyal. They're like dogs, in a sense that they're like, you tell me what to do. You know, it, you know what I mean. Like, just say. Just say jump, they'll say how high, right? If they're that loyal to you, they're they're like that. They're they're not afraid of hard work, right? They're loving you is hard work. They're not afraid of hard work. And I feel like when you understand just earth elementals, you'll understand more of the people, humans that have earth affinities. But I do just want to speak with earth elementals first because... You know, you get astrology, earth energies all the time. But I want to talk about these elementals and how devoted they are. And I just want to say that they are your guardians. They are they're your keepers. They are your hard workers. And since they're devoted, right? They're devoted to a certain action. You know how... You know how, like, Santa's elves or dwarves, right? And, you know, as much as they're called elves, they're, like, more (laughs) dwarf-coded. Even with how they look like. They're devoted to a master. They're, They're devoted to a leader, like, a parental energy. And it's not from a sense of diminutiveness, like, insecurity, no. There's, there's this kind of it feels nice to be devoted to something larger than you, right? And a lot of realities, you would have cults or really wise magicians devote themselves to a leader or an energy, a totem. So think Hecate, right? Like a, a, an aspect of the Divine Mother. And, and in this devotion... When their object of devotion dies, so for example, that Hecate energies dies or is stolen from them or crumbles, 
these knights or these um these devoted energies will be so confused <laughs> okay i'm sorry if i keep leaning into examples but i feel like this is literally the only way i can explain them um think of card captor sakura you know how kero and yuki so kero and yuki is like the little yellow bear that turns into a lion and yuki is like like that white angel coded thing they were like artifacts made by the clo by a magician right they were imbued artifacts that became beings so they were created they were born right and these beings are loyal have fealty towards the mage that made them and when the mage dies cuz they're human right but they're immortal the mage needs to entrust them to like their future owner but you know it doesn't mean that they don't experience grief it doesn't mean that they don't fight with close sometimes and disagree with him and so that's kind of what i'm trying to explain that when they have fealty to someone it's not really or to something it's not necessarily coming from job right it's my it's not like you or us like having a contract with our boss no it's different it's like literally with the person who made you or the person who raised you and kept you or saved you right when these elementals feel indebted to you like they make these contracts of wanting to be of service to you even think of the uh uh series disenchanted you know how like one of those little dwarves felt indebted to the princess at the start because he fell in love with her right and cuz she saved him a couple of times that's the kind of loyalty i'm describing it's this kind of totality that i think some humans don't understand because we don't really maybe in a different time we would devote ourselves totally to a certain person or to a certain cause but to them that's more normal it happens more often for them um that is happening more often for them because time is a little bit more fluid for them so um in the same way na you know how like dogs get depressed if they're separated from their owner they can even die from heartbreak right so knowing that a dog doesn't understand that you know that what that ldr is what a long distance relationship is i need people to understand that when 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 you deal with any kind of earth elemental that can be devoted to you or you're trying to rectify a breach of contract from you and the earth if you disrespected uh like land you owned like it was stolen or you land grabbed it from someone um you know how i was talking about language in uh, a couple of sections back i'm trying to explain that the reason why i'm explaining how devoted these beings are is cuz that's what their everyday life sounds like yeah so when you steal land from them or steal land from their owners or when you breach like a protection thing that they're doing the reason why they become so vengeful or the reason why they become so nefarious or like like um they really make you sick or really fuck with you is cuz their sense of loyalty 
is usually really deep. So that's why you don't mess with them in that way. Or you, you're very respectful in that way. This is why a lot of construction people do a lot of offerings primarily to land and earth spirits. They, we don't usually appease river spirits. We try to heal like river mother, right? And cleanse from river mother. But when you're not trying to die from a construction site, <laughs> you're offering it to the earth. Okay, and this is why I'm explaining it, because they, they think this way. They are this way. They're that loyal, okay? So, um, yeah, so I, I, I want folks to kind of sense or feel or acknowledge that you've, if, ever, if you've ever felt a certain kind of denial from a land, you know how, like, a country or a region of the like a place just doesn't like you right right there was this part i think it was like lingsat from blaunyun i can tell that lingsat doesn't like me that much it can tell it could tell that i didn't grow up there and like the the elements in my body was food that's not from there and it was kind of i, I wouldn't say spitting me out but it was kind of like <sighs> like that it was kind of like not liking me right and i just want to say that when when people travel a lot or when people get sick a lot in certain places or they don't they just don't vibe or match a certain place please make an offering to the earth please make an offering to the land Please make an offering to the land. These are your first forefathers. These are the people that raise the bodies and bodies and bodies of ancestors, of the work people, of the, you know, the teachers, the educators, the, the farmers, right? So they are, they, they are, they deserve to be respected. And depending on like your upbringing, maybe you have a earth deity or, um, you like Gaia or something. I don't know. I don't know how you interface with the earth or like which face of the earth you like worshiping. But um, please, have a, please have a devotion to them. If your work involves them a lot, so for example, you're in construction or you cut trees <laughs> or you mine metals, right? Or um, you work with Yeah, yeah, I keep thinking you work in construction. <laughs> you own businesses that work in construction or like own land, right? This is this is like one of the, the the first things you do. I think one of the first things that you really need to do. The some of the best construction land owning companies, right? They stay in business because they're they're allied with certain shamans or certain. Albularios that really give offerings to these beings. Really, really pay respect to these beings. So yeah. I hope I I hope I explain them in a way that's not fear-mongering and more of just explaining from their perspective why they're that anal. <laughs> they're they're that strict because that's just how they've existed for millennia. Yeah. And they can be so if you want to be want want to win some of them over like have a real ally 
um, you need to serve them. Like they need to need you in a certain way. So for example, you get, so for example, that giant that I was describing, he was trapped. So you like release chains. Some people get dreams of like certain trapped beings and you, and you release them. Right. Or are uh, you return? Sometimes you just throw out the intention and then the energy returns to you. So you're like an artist and then you return these specific rocks that have energetic coding of rectifications. So the ways that these can heal. And you you hear those like healers who fix ley lines, right? These are also... A lot of ley lines are very... They're affected by rivers, but I think earthquake faults slash energetic lines are more potent for them so anyway healers who specialize in that also tend to have a direct relationship with these beings <laughs> if you can't hear the mountain how can you how can you heal with it right so anyway yeah okay and then the last one let's go to wind uh wind elementals tend to be more <laughs> tend to be more funny like the wind vesper right zephyr zephyr um they tend to be yeah mercurial you'll notice that a lot of these energetic magical esoterics kind of like cross over to like their elemental natures uh huh wind elementals i tend to get wind elementals as a mixture like they they're mixed in with water or they're sent by something else. Or it's a being that lives in the air. So they're not air-air, right? Like, they can fly, but they're associate, affiliated with the air. But they are not the air. Unlike fire, which is so primary that you are talking to flame. With air, it's more of like... That spaciousness allows for other beings to be in it. If that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sometimes when I feel like when I'm talking, I'm like, oh my god, I hope people are getting this. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is that with the air, I find it so funny. There was a time when I did performances in parking lots, dance performances that I would film. And I would like cradle my body in kindness in certain durational performances. And then suddenly the wind would tunnel through and like caress my body as I'm doing certain movements. And it would like animate my hair and my clothes. And I feel like a lot of people who feel really stagnant in their office spaces, in their rooms, in their square boxes, right? They've never... I think when we're on vacation, what we're really seeing is like that sunlight, is that grass, is that wind touching your body. And how it, it's like a wind wash. The same like a forest wash, right? A river wash. And the way the wind, the wind, is much lighter. Very, very, it can be very gentle. can be howling as well. Um, but... I, I want folks to kind of notice how, kind of experiment in the same way that ah, sometimes I really don't like some magicians who are like, because if you get a magician book, some of them will say, go practice cloud watching and will a cloud to disappear with like the force of your mind. And I'm like, that's not how you make friends with them. 
That's like, that's, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the way I would share that would be like, go to the park, right? And it's fine, you can be cloud watching. But just like a child, what if you just play with the wind? Like, if there's no wind, you can clap and invite them and dance around. Or if there is wind, you could just fucking frolic, like actually frolic. And feel its giggles. Right? You know how like when there's a space or an energy of a room. And it feels pregnant and heavy. Like a rock. Like gravity. Versus there's like a levity and movement. Right? Movement and like that. Like a Gemini. <laughs> like and, and it's a lot of like... Um, a lot of possibilities like wind wheels like turning in it to, into itself right there's this levity with air that really invites play that really invites laughter that really invites you being on vacation like wind really likes that wind really likes the whole skirt hair arms up out there you know they, they like that they like that. And I feel like the only way I could really invite people to have a relationship with them is that, yes, there are specific totems that are kind of popular, like the bird, the eagle, you know, the the aforementioned feather. But I would really just say play with the wind. Uh, and I think out of all of the elements, this is the one that doesn't physically come up for me as often. But there are like times when I would do readings or uh, meet up with people and there'd be like a sudden rush of wind. Like a blast, right? And a lot of people who do a lot of breath work, who do a lot of meditation with evening out their breath, like singers or, you know, people who teach pranayama, you might have like a different relationship with cultivating the wind movement in your body and you know a lot of stuck winds in your body also creates illnesses but i feel like i honestly feel like the best way to court the wind and allyship with the wind is just to be out more out more in natural wind currents and patterns and allow it to penetrate your body in the same way that you know Taking a bath with rain or like allowing yourself to be exposed to rivers already helps you ally yourself with them as well. I I, I find um, wind gliders, people who like a lot of these big sports stuff like um, skydiving or ziplining. Um, these, I'm out there, like I'm out there. <laughs> I'm out there being exposed to these elements is I feel like a lot of them have such a cheeky relationship with these um, nature. That's why they like nature so much, right? And big nature boy energy. And yeah, um, I feel like that's one of the best ways to really ally yourself with them. I, I actually think that out of all the elements, air is one of the harder ones to kind of personify or like have a stable relationship with just because they travel a lot 
Like think of a tree elemental, like an earth elemental. They stay in the same place. They they meet tourists and talk to them, but the air is kind of changing. It's it's always changing, so it's a little bit harder to build up a relationship with a specific aspect of it. Yeah, I feel like maybe if you're more of like a fisherman who like. Worships Habagat, right? Like northeasterly winds, southeasterly winds. Then you might have like a personification and a real like one-to-one relationship. But I can't speak for that because I don't have one. But yeah, I feel like winds are more weatherly. Yeah, hmm. it reminds me of the movie Weathering with You. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So to wrap up the episode. Um, you guys want to say anything? I think okay. So they're they're kind of just pointing out how there was a time. There was a time in my life where I would adopt a lot of elementals if they're sick because they'd kind of be my training dummies or like my first uh, clients with anything because they also have problems they also have like bodily issues anatomical issues and the same way as scientists like tests on gerbils or rats i would you know any elementals who would like volunteer or want help from me they get free help from me and as long as like it's a fair deal it's like really good business and i feel like i have i have had such a good reputation with them because of this and I just, I don't know, um, a lot of the people, a lot, <laughs> see, I even call them people, damn it, um, a lot of the beings I work with, uh, when they've fully graduated from, like, needing help from me, they leave, I feel like that's one of the things that trips people up with, like, energies or entities that they make friends with, they're like, if we were friends, why'd they leave, right, or why are, why are they leaving, and I want you to understand that these beings also have a life of their own. Um, they're needed somewhere else. And that sometimes they can loop back to you in the same way that you can have a Skype call with an overseas friend. And I do want to say that the network is worth it, right? In emergencies, you could really invoke them in the way that a lot of friends can pray for you in a time of crisis. So these these beings these smaller beings they don't forget it when you help them even if they're far away even if they've graduated even if they're doing something else if you if you pray and then you're like all those who would like to help me and you remember that you have a relationship with them and you also pray for them right they'll help you they they really would so um i they're just trying to emphasize that part of the relationship that feels very relational and not transactional i know it sounds transactional at first because it's like i help you you help me kind of thing it's like those those fake follow me accounts on ig right you pay like a social media growth app and they just give you fake followers and it's like follow for follow kind of bullshit and it's like versus having real relationship with real people where it's like i'm concerned with you you're concerned with me right so they're just trying to say that have a real relationship with them really pray for them and they'll pray for you right come to their aid and they'll come to aid for you um and 
on a systematic level, I do want to say that a lot of lower realm beings are better at worldly stuff. Just because they have more physical locations and manifestations versus, say, angels or like high etheric angels, okay? Because guardian angels are like good at physical stuff. But like high etheric angels, like think Metatron, <laughs> right? Um, kind of up there, right? Like higher realm work, like upper dimensional work feels very far, right? Um, they can have a very disjointed experience of reality where a local elemental, like a physical elemental has watched you for ages, right? has watched people for ages, remembers things. So um, I know that if you like upper realm work, a lot of non-attachment work, a lot of, you know, divine unity, you wouldn't... Mm, the, 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 the discerning of these smaller stories, you know, justice for s- certain rivers certain people, certain memories might not be as important, but I feel like elements, uh, I feel like the lower realms, I feel like elemental magic, elemental alliances, uh, and real relationships with them are needed, are needed for grounding, is needed to really restitch yourself and reintegrate yourself with the everyday life. It's to have like a living relationship with the life around you a lot of spiritual masters might not discuss them all the time but they would see them all the time right <laughs> not all of them would have relationships with them and i totally get that because sometimes it's just not your thing um but they're there right they're there and i think i just wanted to do an episode where i'm just honest from where i'm coming from and then give suggestions with how to interface with them, but also give you the freedom to like not maybe directly work with them if that doesn't resonate with you. So I'm totally okay if this is just for entertainment purposes for you, as long as it evokes a sense of reverence, dignity, and like respect for them, space for them, right? And I know that some people don't want to explore more of this because it's like oh no you're just getting into more like esoteric stuff or wishy-washy stuff um these are just stories these are just like echoes of ghost stories right but if you've never had like physical ailments go away just because of rectifications of land spirits then then you don't have you don't know that aspect of reality where these Spirits are demanding you justice, right? Like, respect, right? So, that's chill. <laughs> that's chill if it's outside of your experience. But, yeah, if if that is within your experience, I'm really grateful for your work. And, yeah, that's it. If you, have, you guys have any questions, like, or any stories you guys want to share... Or any kind of like cases that you want to come up to me for, like um, this specific being, right? This specific uh, aswang living in the mountain or something. Um, do feel free to talk to me. I tend to be more kinder with these kinds of cases because these beings pay me in a different way. So I know I'm helping the physical person, but I'm. I'm also very much concerned with the non-physical beings because I do want to respect them as well. I want to help them as well, 
okay if that's not obvious so yeah <laughs> thank you for sticking it to this kind of very unorthodox unique episode and our next few episodes are going to be collaboration episodes with a torado we're going to talk about goddess and uh creative work and then i'm going to have another episode with miko and guada together in one episode so look out for that i feel like we're going to talk about channeling that might shift though because <laughs> we just sense into what we're supposed to talk about but yeah so i really hope that you guys enjoyed this solo maria talks about the very maria thing <laughs> and it's kind of like one of my longer episodes too so uh yeah um i hope you guys enjoyed so share with anybody who you think needs this and yeah i always got my services on my links and ciao